podcast is part of the Pod Syndicate family. For more criminally compelling shows, articles, and conversations, head to wearepodsyndicate.com. Hi, I'm Lauren, and he's Jordan, and welcome to the His Film, Her Movie podcast. Since we've done this, it has been forever since we've done this. It's been so long, but hey, we're back. To like whichever you can see the to... the energy that's in the room when we're doing <laughs> this. <laughs> I'm trying to think. We've been doing it, and we're getting a really good swing. And then we selfishly took time off to go get married and have a honeymoon. And now we're going to have nobody listening. I know it's terrible. <sighs> what can you do? But yes, we are back. Yay. We are the His Film Her Movie Podcast. I'm Jordan. I'm Lauren. And yes, we are this movie podcast that normally posts once a week. We've had two weeks off, but hopefully you'll forgive us. We did get married. We did go on a honeymoon. And to be honest, even though this setup is pretty minimal, I really didn't want to lump a laptop, two mic stands and microphones to Prague. <laughs> no. That doesn't fit in the overhead locker. It doesn't. And for anybody travelling, just take overhead bag. Just take like lock, like the bags that you can take on the plane. Carry-ons. It was amazing. <laughs> it was so quick. Unless you're Jordan and you like to overpack everything. He packs so much stuff. I do. But time. I like clothes. You like clothes more than I do. <laughs> so, it's a worrying. So, I mean, keeping within that theme, what are we covering this week? This week we're covering films with weddings. Yes, Keeping either wedding themed, nice. weddings in them. Weddings, relationships, yes. marriages. Um, but before we get started, I'm going to talk a little bit serious. Ooh. So at the wedding, instead of having traditional favours, yeah, yeah. we gave money to um, Medi Cinema. Um, now, for people who got the cinema, you've probably seen the nice heartwarming adverts of Simon Pegg and the little girl watching the film. Mm-hmm. For anybody else, um, Medi Cinema, it builds and installs cinemas um, in hospitals and places of care. So therefore, um, patients, families and like the caregivers can actually go have a little bit of respite um, and go watch films, which we felt was something that... Well, it's, it's a worthy cause. It's a worthy cause. We love the films and I'm sure that you'll agree. You put a film on and it means that you can just forget about your trouble yeah. for that those 90 minutes. It's like escapism. It is. And obviously we love films, given that we do this. So we escape quite often watching them. And then this just meant that we could... I think the money that we gave worked out that so there's like five or six date nights that can go. That's good. And that includes like um, nurses can go and get like... So if you if you in a hospital that has one, I believe that you get like a free ticket, right, right, and then you can go have a bit of respite, watch a film. So if anybody is interested, if you have a little search for Medi Cinema, look up on them. If you want to give money, the people in the office, it's a tiny office. I think there's like four people who run the charity, and they are wonderful. They were so helpful and so nice. And we got badges and we got QR codes and we got logos and everything off them. So definitely give them a shout out, have a little look. And if you are able to donate to them, 
then please do. Or just share. So yes. get the word around because they're still not very well known. No. But no, that's good. So regarding the wedding films, what is your choice this week? Well, it sounds like a bit of a strange one. <laughs> it's the Adams Family Values. Now, there is a wedding yes. in the film, but I think it has a good message about relationships, which is why I picked it, because it's got different stages of marriage and relationships and everything in it, which is why I picked it. Cool. And my choice is 1940s The Philadelphia Story. Yes. Uh, with um, Cary Grant, with Catherine Hepburn and Jimmy Stewart. Yep. To comp- this is what I like about this podcast. Nowhere, nowhere else would you get a, a sort of a, two, a double bill of the Adams, Adams Family Values and the Philadelphia Story. No, it's great. Completely so, different. <laughs> I mean, is there any um, housekeeping we need to do? I don't think there is really. No, except I'm really sorry that we haven't posted anything. Yeah. I've even been really lax on. Social we've media, been, we've just been We've so been relaxing, busy. I mean, obviously the stress of the wedding and it all went well. It was stress. It wasn't very stressful. It wasn't very stressful. If you're going to get married, get yourself a spreadsheet. Yeah. Colour code it, get, it, get yourself organised. It's absolutely fine. And then it's just the, the post-relaxation of it all. We So we, we did actually plan to not miss a week, but that became very... Un, what's the word? Unobtainable. Unobtainable when the date actually came. So we do apologise, but we'll be back weekly, Monday mornings, from yeah. now on. Yes. Cool, cool. So which one do, should we start with? Um, Let's start with yours. Okay. With. We'll start with the Philadelphia story. I suppose you'd still be attractive to any man of spirit, though. There's something engaging about it, this goddess business. Something more challenging to the male than the uh, more obvious charms. Really? Really. We're very vain, you know. This citadel can and shall be taken, and I'm the boy to do it. You seem quite contemptuous of me all of a sudden. No, Red. None of you. Never of you. Red, you could be the finest woman on this earth. I'm contemptuous of something inside of you. You either can't help or make no attempt to. Your so-called strength, your prejudice against weakness, your blank intolerance. Is that all? That's the gist of it. So, yeah, we have Catherine Hepburn's character, Tracy, who was married to Kerry Grant, C.K. Dexter Haven. Um, they obviously divorce in the, the, well, in the opening scene, and she is going to marry... George, who is this sort of up-and-coming politician, businessman, in this big high-society wedding. Mm-hmm. Um, C.K. Dexter Haven works for this paparazzi mag who has some incriminating evidence on Trace's father. Now, to um, make sure that they don't publish that, he agrees to take a reporter and a photographer, which is played by Jimmy Stewart and um, Ruth Hussey, to um, <laughs> to, <Sorry. laughs> uh, to undercover to the wedding so they can try and get the scoop. Um, and obviously when an ex-husband turns up the day before a wedding to the um, ex-bride's house, all hilarity ensues. Yes. I think that's about, about it. I think that's it. I'm actually, I'm trying to find, because... It's set in the time 
where Cary Grant and especially Catherine Hepburn mm. have that accent. And I can't, oh, I can't find what it is. It's basically, it's like the Gatsby accent. Right. And it's the sort of New England, not American, not English. Not anything. So not sort of like- anything, but very tied to that sort of time period accent and i kind of love it i mean Catherine hepburn's very very sort of recognizable for her voice yes. she has a very sort of a deep voice for a woman mm-hmm. and that's what i mean especially in this movie but in in real life it's like people she was a very much a tomboy mm-hmm. um so she was quite masculine in some of her mannerisms and the way she speaks and her just the, the way she was mm-hmm. uh, but yeah it's it's sort of like a back of the throat sort of a voice isn't it it's not even the voice it's the accent because Cary Grant has the same accent mm. as her and it, it oh, I found it and I found I found it previously when we discussed The Great yeah. Gatsby and it is an X type of accent and I believe it was done by the diction coaches at right. the time and it was because um, I thought did anybody actually ever speak like that but apparently it was very much the upper classes mm. to show that they were of better blood and can't find what it is. Either way, <laughs> I love her with it. Yeah. Um, I I did like this film. Yeah. I liked all the characters, but at the same time, I wasn't a massive fan of Tracy. I liked her as a character on a film. Yeah. I think if I knew her in real life, I'd probably give her a good slap. Okay. Because she gets divorced. Completely understand that. By the sounds of it, Cary Grant wasn't a great husband. There's like a lot of references to her, him like punching her in the face yeah. throughout this film. And it's like, I know I've just said I want to give her a slap. I wouldn't actually give her one. I'd be like, I mean, a metaphorical, what are you doing, love? I mean, it opens up on a scene where you see, um, see Dexter Haven walking out of the house. She follows him in a sort of like a, a bathrobe, mm-hmm. throws his golf clubs on the floor, then breaks one of them over across the knee, walks back, and he goes to confront her with a clenched fist, stops it, and then just pushes her over in the face. And it's like, that's playful laughs as well. Yeah. It's sort of, it, it, it is a bit, and I, I understand how the screwball comedy of it all, but that is kind of rough. But there's even a joke in there where... It's with, against Jimmy Stewart saying, you're a reporter, aren't you? You don't drink. Yeah. Don't all writers drink and beat their wives. I dream of being a reporter. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a it's, lot it's, of wife beating it's a great, It's a great there. line, but yeah. yeah. But it's Hasn't di- aged It's a different well. time, isn't it? But no, like I've, with her, she seems, she wants to be like this strong, wonderful person. She seems incredibly flighty. But I thing is, I actually found her to be quite, um, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, endearing? Kind of endearing, but in a situation where she didn't realise where she was mm-hmm. because she, obviously she's very privileged, but she thought the people who were attracted to her were in love with her, but most of them were just sort of in awe of her. Yeah. And her realisation of that, of the thing that, she always felt that they were on an equal level, but now she understands that people were putting her on a pedestal and that's why they didn't really get on. Mm-hmm. And it takes Jimmy Stewart's character to really break down that that wall. Um, but 
I just find Catherine Hepburn as a, a screen presence. I mean, her confidence. Oh, yeah, she's an amazing it, actress. She exudes everything. Yeah. And she's so strong and strong-willed. And again, it's, is it about the, the her understanding how um, goddess is used a lot in this world? And goddess, you're a goddess, mm-hmm. you're a queen. But it's also a, a film about what weak men react around strong women yeah there's a lot of that she's incredibly strong and then like her dad blames her for his affair and it's like uh excuse me she did not unbuckle your pants yes and push you onto this other woman if only she had been a better daughter and shown him much more love yeah he then wouldn't have had to find it elsewhere so yeah that bit annoyed me a little bit yeah um but, yeah, the, the whole story is kind of like the Hello Reporters going around and they call it, Tracy calls it, an intimate day with the society bride. Yeah. They want to see the secrets. They want to see what's happening um, in exchange for keeping her dad's affair secret, which is the story that they have. I just thought all the way through, it's, I did, I, you know, I did like it. Yeah. There's a few little bits that I thought were a little bit problematic, but in overall, it was a nice film. Film uh, parts that I was disappointed in were her wedding dress. <laughs> I honestly thought that she came down in like her dressing gown. <laughs> I was like, oh god, she's gonna get ready. She gets married in like twenty minutes. She's still in like her pajamas. Nope, that was her dressing gown. And then she puts on a crap hat. Very disappointed. I know it's a second wedding, but come on, make a bit of an effort. And then the fact that um, she kisses Connor. Yeah who is... Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. So she kisses him, even though his girlfriend's there. Then he proposes to her in front of his girlfriend, and his girlfriend Liz just stands there going, yeah, I'm okay with this. I think the young boyfriend-girlfriend, I think she has feelings for him that he doesn't know about. Oh, okay. Because I got it that they were together. Hmm. No, but I think for me, what this film is as well, and again, going back to sort of His Girl Friday, like the dialogue is so witty and snappy and it's a different way of writing dialogue than than now where they can say some of these these one-liners that don't feel forced, they just feel part of the way the actors deliver them. And again, part of the charm of this movie is the fact you've got these three sort of powerhouses of this era, of mm-hmm. this sort of genre of comedy with Cary Grant, with Catherine Hepburn, with Jimmy Stewart, and just how watching those play each, like, it's like a pinball. Yeah. It is so, so satisfying to watch. And, yeah, it's, when you're having that facade, I, I, always, ho- I always hope that facade goes on a little bit more about how the father is, has to play the uncle, the uncle has to play the father, oh, and they all have to be like. all goody, goody, good. Because the comedy that could come from, well, could come from that would be great, but they don't really play it up too much. It's it's over quite quickly. I'm quite pleased that they do that because I know this is an older film. Mm. And I know it's probably one of the original ones that did this. But because it's not one of the original films that I have seen that have done yeah, yeah. this, it's been done to death. That situational comedy, like, oh, everybody's lying about who they are. I just, I just sit there with my head in my hands, going, "Don't do this." Yeah, it's never going to work. Why do you even attempt to make this <laughs> this situation work? And what, what, what do you think? Also, I mean, Jimmy Stewart is is a fine actor, but he was never really, 
he's played it romantically a few times, but always, I don't know if it's his, his personality, but it doesn't really play well off being a romantic lead. But I think in this, even though he's not a romantic lead, the sexual tension between him and Catherine Hepburn in some scenes is quite powerful in a way. Yeah, I thought once he took his hat off and you could actually see his face, he was a very, very good looking man. Um, but you don't, I feel like you don't really see his face until just before they kiss. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's when you hit the party, isn't it? It's so. No, it's, it's, yeah, sorry, yeah, around the party, but then like, you see, there's a beautiful shot where they're in the garden and like, she's all like backlit and everything Mm. and her hair's all glowing. And then it's like, she turns around to look, to look at him and then you see like an actual full on shot of his face whereas all the other times you haven't seen that he's always kind of been to the side or just behind yeah yeah. like he's been overshadowed by other people and you actually get to see him and only him full face on and it's like you're actually quite a good looking guy i think he did all right for himself yeah i think he did do all right (laughs) for himself like you know picking picking somebody who's engaged probably not the best idea that is true that is true um but yeah it's i think he opens up her as a character because he, he, he talks about they talk about class and they talk about privilege and how it's when she said oh she goes to a library and reads one of his books and yeah. she's like why don't you write all the time and he's like well i've got to make a living yeah and this is how and she doesn't really understand it's like that's quite a, a, a a highlighting scene mm-hmm. of just how privileged that she is and also what i quite like about it's again like two completely different films but carrie grant and when you're in this sort of era it's great it's it's the adult version of a boy pushing over a girl pulling a pigtails on a player field <laughs> um and it's sort of like yeah he's so obviously still in love with her and when he's there he he's trying to stop that wedding because he's in love with her yeah and obviously in the end he gets his own way um but yeah it's it's also yeah it's it's this sort of analytical of like toxic toxic masculinity as we say mm-hmm. when her father mm-hmm. blames her for his affair, affair it's it's a horrible, horrible story. Just insults her and says about how she's cold and not a nice person. Yet she's definitely like the most passionate person on that screen. Yeah. It's probably it's just a passion that he doesn't understand and doesn't and recognize. That, yeah, and that's it. And that's when like sort of Carrie Grant talks to her about this, when she when he talks about being a goddess and how he, how she perfect she was and how he always felt inferior and things like that. It's like well. That's, that's your not, problem. That's your problem. And that's what I think. I think it shows those um, personal issues that, that men can have in mm-hmm. the, the presence of a powerful woman. Um, and I really do think it highlighted that really quite well. Um, Jimmy Stewart being drunk is... He plays a great drunk. Plays an, a brilliant drunk. He actually won the, uh, the Best Actor Oscar for this just in for Philadelphia Story. What, and, for being drunk? You're basically being drunk in this. That's what you want to rest after. Am I that charming when I'm drunk? No. I danced in the rain in Prague whilst drunk. You did, but you also go into small rooms and cry. <laughs> I didn't cry. <laughs> the living room was just too big. 
didn't cry, just had a slight panic attack about the size of the room. I had to go sit in the toilet. <laughs> and you make me go out in all lot times in the evening to buy your bread so you can have toast. Oh, I married such a wonderful man. He'll make me toast at like... It wasn't even that late that night. It was, it was like, about half past ten. That's past my bedtime. Yeah, half past ten was that night and I'd been on my Hindu. <laughs> Plenty of Hindus I know carry on to like three o'clock, but not mine. I no, was yeah. too drunk to go on. But yeah, I mean, I think Jimmy Stewart, I, when you hit that party and I think everything after that is just all gold. Yes. Because you get some really nice personal emotional scenes and you get some great comedy yes. and again when jimmy stewart turns up at Cary grant's house you can just tell they're both having the time of their lives it's <laughs> and they play off each other so so well but yeah jimmy stewart drunk is perfection he is such a good drunk. absolute perfection and it's not over the top type stuff. No, it's you could imagine him just actually being like that drunk yeah and just starting hiccuping yeah Oh, brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, it is it is a great movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, I'd say give it a watch. It, it's funny. It has some interesting things to say. And yeah, it's got three of the the best of the time Definitely. in the leads. Definitely. So yeah, that is the Philadelphia story. We'll, we'll take a break. Yes. And we'll come back with the Adams Family Values. Woo. The Mulberry Boys, every Friday night. On the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. eagerly anticipate the freshest IPA release from your local craft brewer? Do you check in every beer you've ever had on Untapped? Do you know the difference between a Belgian triple and a Berliner Weisse? Then do we have a podcast for you. What's Untapped podcast gives you beer reviews, interviews with brewers, behind the scenes access to beer festivals, games, and more. Whether you're a craft beer junkie or new to the world of craft brewing, What's Untapped podcast is something for you. Check us out online, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and now we are podsyndicate.com. And as always, keep drinking, you dum-dums. Camp Chippewa. How charming. What's Chippewa? It's an old Indian word. It means orphan. Fresh air. Scent of pine. Wednesday. Look at all the other children. Their freckles, their bright little eyes, their eager, friendly smiles. Help them. Hi, I'm Amanda Buckman. Why are you dressed like that? Like what? Like you're going to a funeral. Why are you dressed like somebody died? Wait. Okay, so 
for people who know me, they know I love a bit of an Adams Family film. I love them. I think they're just great. So when we decided to do ones about weddings, I picked the Adams Family values. So it is the 1993 Barry Sonnenfeld mm-hmm. film. It was, it's only 90 minutes. It's a nice, easy one. It does, yeah. It's good for all the family. The cast include Angelica Houston, who I love, that mm-hmm. woman. The I could get on for like hours about the lighting and the makeup. That we'll get, we'll, we'll, we will get into it. Wonderful. We will get into it. Christina Ricci. 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 Never say that for some reason. Raul Julia, Christopher Lloyd, John Cusack. Carol Kane. Yeah. It's just it's it's just a hit after hit after hit. So for anybody who doesn't know, um what happens in this film is that um the newest baby in the Adams family, who's called Pubert, <laughs> is born and um Wednesday and Pugsley are not happy and they're basically just trying to kill their brother all the yeah. time. Which I think, you know, you could if you were you could relate to if another child came. I think you could relate to metaphorically, but not metaphorically. <laughs> they literally try and drop. They literally drop him off a building. Yeah. But uh, so what they do, what Morticia and Gomez do, is they decide to get a nanny, and after several tries of getting one, they manage to get one. She's called Debbie, and she is a gold digger. She's actually a serial killer who marries rich men and then murders them, steals their money, takes off. So she marries, um, she marries uh, Uncle Fester, and what happens is um, it's just the story of them getting married, separating yeah. from the family, and then all coming together in the end in a big, fun Adams family style yes. way. So I I love this film. I love it. I've, when I did a bit of research, I actually found out that Raul Julia already had stomach cancer mm. at this point. I think which it was second to last film. It was. And when he was doing the death scene, he'd actually, well, not his death scene, but when he's lying in bed ill, um, he was actually very aware that he was dying, mm. which I just think is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, but the man never lets up. He's. Films are just wonderful as Gomez Adams. Nobody else can do it. But the reason I picked this film was because, one, it has a wedding in it, but I believe it shows two very, very different kinds of marriages. You have the abusive and controlling one of Fester and Debbie, Mm. and you have the loving and supporting one of Gomez and Morticia. And what you see is that the loving and supportive one isn't just them isolated. It's them loving and supporting and including the rest of their family. Whereas the I was the bad marriage, the toxic one, is the one where they are completely isolated from everybody. So I do think it's quite a good way to look at it by saying, you know, you can... To have, like, a, a good, healthy relationship... Is, is to be open, yeah, and loving, yeah. and if you are able to include either blood family or if you friends. pick your family through friends, to do that, to have a relationship that you're happy to have and share. Yeah. And I have said this before, but the, the, I believe that Morticia and Gomez have like the ideal 
marriage. They, yes, they're weird. And yes, they do, as as the theme song so, theme song goes, ooky and kooky stuff. Yeah. But that is their relationship. Yeah. They understand each other and they fully support each other. It's, what is it when Morticia says about how she's just a modern woman wanting to do everything, have a house, have a home, but she'd like to have a little bit more time to explore the dark arts and go and where she's like, we will do that. We will help you do that. I want you to be happy and fulfilled. That to me is the most perfect relationship. They want to have it all and they want to support each other in having it all. Yeah. Whereas Debbie just wants all the money, doesn't love Uncle Fester and rips him away from his family. And he's so... He's, like, sad about it. <laughs> I just think it's but so yeah, sad. It is. But it is a comedy. It is a comedy. And that's where this film excels always. Oh, it's always. not. I mean, I can get into some moments, but <clears throat> not only Adam's Family Values, but also the Adam's Family, the original film. Uh, well, the original... This is the original modern 90s, 1991 1990s film. Um, it yeah. it just shows you how important casting is to a film's Definitely. um a film succeeding because every single one is perfect for the role. Um, mm. Raul Julia, you've got Angelica Houston, Christopher Lloyd, Christina Ricci. At the time, nobody else could have played those characters because and they get the tone perfectly. They get the comedy. They get the edginess and just the timing. That's why it is. It's so good. I mean, the line when Debbie turns up to the house and sees Fester for the first time and she's like, oh, he's such a lady killer. And Fester goes, acquitted. Yeah. Oh, no. My favourite is um, because she she realises the kids are on to her and she sends them, she gets the Morticia and Gomez to send them to camp. Yeah. And um, they have to line up to go swimming and the camp counsellors are like, okay, we're going to rescue people who wants to be the victim and Harmony, <laughs> who, no, sorry, it's not Harmony. It's the girl who plays Harmony yeah. from Buffy the Vampire yeah, yeah, Slayer. Yeah. And she goes, I'll be the victim. I'll be the victim. And Wednesday's like, yes, all your life. It's <laughs> so dark for a children's <laughs> film. And then um, she says, then she realizes that, you know, she can't swim. She goes, "Yeah, I can't swim." But yeah, and the it, girl drowns. But it's so smart. Like the comedy is like it's blinking. You miss it, jokes. Yes. So therefore, if you do miss one, next time you watch it, you're going to catch it. Yes. And yeah, it is. It is dark. And the first one is like that as well. I mean, they're both PGs. I remember watching these as a kid. And, and yeah, so some of the jokes. Them. Yeah, but it's not until you get to adult. Oh you're yeah. Like, that joke is really not appropriate. Like you said, the acquitted one. Yeah. The one where the stripper is baked into the cake. <laughs> yeah. That is so bad. And it's like, like, oh, say la vie, it's funny. And like, as a kid, you're like, ah, oh, look, the cake's all on fire and smoking. <laughs> and then you watch it, it's like, they literally just killed a woman. And that's it. And not even the jokes, but some of the imagery. Like, obviously, we got Wednesday and Pugsley trying to kill the baby. And it's if, if Marie you, Antoinette. It's Marie Antoinette. And you've got, not only is it a subplot where you are trying to kill a child in a film, mm-hmm. like a newborn, but like you've got some imagery of like dolls hanging from their necks. Yeah. And this is a PG. Yeah. It's, it, it's so, so good. 
Um, what else? The retorts, again, the way Wednesday actually always has a sort of a dry one-liner for everybody is yes. wonderful. Um, and let's get into it then. Morticia Adams. Love her. Want like the the fact the way she's lit and the way obviously she looks as if she's in monochrome constantly all the time. So it's like she's from the original what nineteen fifties TV show. Mm-hmm. And when I'm thinking about how they go about that, I mean Barry Sonnenfeld, the guy who directed this, he's amazing. He this. was the cinematographer of the Coens back in the day, oh, the Coen okay, brothers. Yeah. So he actually left. Um, they so they, they work with a guy called Roger Deakins now. Uh, but yeah, so Barry Sonnenfeld went to make the Adams Family. Mm-hmm. He made the Adams Family, and then he went to make Men in Black. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. And Men in Black too. So therefore, he he moved in a different direction. But to have a director who was a DOP, mm-hmm. it just shows how the skills needed to actually accomplish that shot. Because every single shot, it's just her eyes to bring me the, the bridge of her nose yeah. is light. It's light. And, and everything else is sort of grey. It is wonderful. I don't, I don't get, like, how is she not like, squinting the entire mm. time? They've shot it so perfectly. And she just looks like the femme fatale yeah. in every sort of, like, noir film. She always looks amazing but i think it's quite funny because there's certain bits where she sort of moves and you see the light sort of yeah. following her to do it but because the thing is like angelica houston is such a striking woman mm. even now actually uh, she, she's like quite a bit older she's very striking but she's probably not something that you would have called like a classic no, beauty no. she's got very very strong features but you see her in this and she looks amazing. Mm. Absolutely everything about her looks amazing it's, in this film. It's like you've got you've got her blankness playing off Raoul Julia being so out, ex- there. out there and exuberant and flamboyant. And that that sort of the duality of that works the incredibly. And the yang exactly together, right. Which exactly I just think right. is absolutely perfect. And also, I'm um, talking about the cast. There is an actress that I think is underrated and has been underrated for a long time, and that is Joan Cusack. Oh, she's so good in this. this but, but carrying on from that, I mean, In and Out, um, High Fidelity, School of Rock. Yes. Like, she is a brilliant, brilliant comedic actress. Like, I don't see in much things anymore. No, I don't, no. I don't know where about I she is. I haven't really but seen her anything since School of Rock. Yeah. She, maybe she's doing, like, behind the scenes Yeah, maybe. Stuff, I'd actually have a... a actually have to have a look at that but yeah she is superb in this um she just plays that maniacal um femme killer i I wouldn't say she's a femme fatale because she's so 80s slash 90s yeah um i remember watching this film and there is a scene there is the scene of her towards the end and they're in their mansion and fester's cooking dinner and she has on this bardo style sort of knitted dress and she looks absolutely amazing and all i remember is when i was younger going i want that dress <laughs> she looks amazing all i want to do is i want to look like that yeah because she just looked so so good and she's so funny yeah she's so funny in this little things like the little back and forth that she has with people um she's 
I can't honestly. I can't fault anybody. Yeah, no, it's in but, this. But not, and the, the, these films as well, as you said, ninety minutes. They're they're in there. They they do the thing and they get out. They don't really keep you there for longer than you need to. No, and I feel like they pack a lot in. Yeah, they ninety minutes. They do and they deliver a lot of jokes. I mean, I mean, I know Mark Kermod has this sort of like fall laugh test, and this one just takes it. I mean, there'll be maybe four laughs a minute. You know what yes. I mean? It is so so good. Um, but it just kind it just continues on from what the first film does as well. Mm-hmm. It's like as soon as we hear that theme tune, it's like oh yeah, we're back. Yes, and that's why, like you were saying earlier with the casting, about how they got it so perfect, you can't imagine anybody else. Mm. Which is why I think they've had to do because because the new Adams family. Yeah, that's why I think they have to do it in cartoon version that's true because it, it it's just not the same i, think I th- honestly don't think i think they are play, planning on making another um Adam's family and what i've what i've heard is oscar isaac as um as gomez which could work but again raul julia just has that face yeah he's perfect for it because he he looks like the original cartoons mm. he looks like him and the thing is gomez adams again was a handsome man, but not in the conventional way. Um, Christopher Lloyd as Uncle Fester is just perfect. He's got such a... His physicality, though. His whole physicality, his whole expressions, everything about him. Like, I love Christopher Lloyd. He's amazing. Everybody in this is amazing. Mm. But Gomez, especially on this, he's kind of modeled off Clark Gable. Yes. And all the old sort of classic Mm -hmm. um, 30s idol actors and things like that smoking so. jackets yes. and cravats and he's just so dapper and yeah. everything whereas uh, I, I don't want them to remake it <laughs> the thing is i don't feel like it's aged it hasn't too badly. it hasn't aged but to be honest the fact because it is so sort of edgy um it gives it a bit of a timeless quality i mean i think there is like a bit of a a weird michael jackson joke in there um but Oh, when they go to the Harmony Hut, yeah, which is like absolutely that would be my idea of hell. Yeah. Um, what but, when they but, go? Don't do it to him. He's only a little boy, but, and there's Michael Jackson on the yeah. wall. It's like, oh, okay, that joke <laughs> it now works. Didn't back then, but it does now. But it's yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a, it's a great family movie, um, and it's one that I. But it's on TV. I'll watch it. I will always watch it. Yeah, so I will it, it is. A, it was a very, very good pick. Thank you. Is there anything else you've got? Any fun facts? Um, I do have fun facts. I have so much, honestly, to say about this film. <laughs> I could do a whole thing of just this film about the racist camp leaders, the fact that the racist camp leaders. Lead, yes, yes, they are so racist. They're really big bullies, but then like nobody would ever believe the kids and then the kids that they leave out they're all children of color and kids who have disabilities and aren't conventionally pretty yeah okay that's um oh i can't remember what the actors names are who play the camp leaders but they're really uh, the, famous and it's a uh, christina bruski um christina bruski the guy i can't remember his name's paul something but he was in he was in alec mcbeal oh he's been in so much stuff and he's got a really like distinct voice he can do like loads of different octaves he's in ghostbusters 2 yes yes he is in ghostbusters 2 he plays the guy who gets possessed yes him um the fact that wednesday doesn't smile mm-hmm. throughout the whole she, like she forced herself to smile but she can't smile but the rest of the family can which i think when i look back i thought it was quite weird 
now I kind of feel like it's more the family has never forced her to do anything that she wasn't comfortable no, with. They've no. always been incredibly like, you just be yourself. We're happy as long as you're happy. You don't have to physically show it. No. Um, again, racist camp leaders calling Indian savages and primitives <laughs> and oh, okay, there's so much stuff. But yeah, okay, I will calm down and I will tell you my fun facts. <laughs> okay. Um, so, did you know, right, Christopher Lloyd... He's a tall man. He's actually six foot six foot one mm-hmm. in real life. Um, he didn't think he was going to get the role of Uncle Fester because he had hair. He was he was he's very slender. Yeah. So he has like loads of makeup and all kinds of stuff, and um, like padding to make him look bigger. And an interview um, with Sonnefeld said that they would be like chatting away just before I started doing it, and he'd be standing up quite straight and tall. And then to get the look of Uncle Fester, as soon as Sonnefeld would yell action, Christopher Lloyd would like squat down to be like shorter. Yeah. And then that's how he would like run around on set, like the weird sort of like gating run and everything, which sounds absolutely hilarious but then the only time because of like what fester wears he wears yeah. like a long coat most of the time you can't see it the only time and i only noticed this because i'd read this fact before we watched it mm. is when debbie changes his clothes and puts him in trousers and he's standing in the kitchen with the things and if you watch he sort of stood kind of squat but he's got very baggy trousers on to try and hide it but if you look the way he's standing he's basically like yeah, yeah. squatting um the other thing was um when we talked about the michael jackson thing so we watched it on was it amazon oh well, the michael jackson documentary no no, no, no the uh we watched this on Oh, Sky? We watched this on Sky. Um, yeah, the Michael Jackson joke has been taken out for some TV broadcasts. Uh-huh. It's been removed. So, depending on where you watch it this Christmas, because it will be on over Christmas, mm-hmm. it might not be in. Um, and then the only other thing was um, the uh, Wednesday's little boyfriend yeah. talks about how when he has his... Um, killer's uh serial killer card collection the only ones he miss missing are jack the ripper and that that zodiac guy yeah who are of course two of the world's most notorious serious serial killers who have never been caught exactly which i thought was really cute they were like <laughs> put this in and then like as a kid i was like oh okay he hasn't got these thinking they were like football cards and then you get older and it's like yeah, because they don't exist because nobody knows who they were. No, that's brilliant. Um, anything else? I love it. Please watch this film. Don't let them remake it with like new people. Let's start a petition <laughs> to say no, not allowed to. Make as many crap cartoons of it as you want. Just don't make a new live one. You don't need to. You sound so sad. I really, like... I'm sorry, but they're wrecking so many new films. Like, old films with new films. Lion King didn't need a new version. They called it a live remake. It's not live until you can make a lion actually talk, okay? That was CGI. Just stick with the cartoons. Stick with the originals that everybody likes. 
Well said. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, that I think is another episode for us. It is. It is another one done and dusted. And we will be back normal from henceforth. Henceforth. That's a big word to use. Two words. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back next week. We... Are we're going doing, to do cult movies. We're doing cult movies. Well, well sorry, not as in cult movies, as in films that have cults in them. Yes, but I've also requested Jordan make them not too scary. Yes. So I have picked mine. It doesn't sound scary by the synopsis. It sounds very interesting. It is. I haven't read anything on yours yet, but since um, Jordan knows not to do any watch anything too scary, although on the plane back from Prague. <laughs> He was sat there watching something. I was rocking along to some music, reading a book about serial killers. Um, looked over to my left and there's him watching a film. And I go, oh, what film are you watching? The Girl with All the Gifts. And I go, as in the one with the zombies, Jordan. Do you really think that's a good idea to watch a zombie film next to me on an enclosed flight <laughs> where I can't get away? And he just laughed at me and turned it onto something else. So thank you for that. No but problem. I would have looked over and seen a zombie and freaked out. <laughs> midair that would not that would not be good for anybody well that is very true <laughs> my poor husband but no uh, I think that is another episode yet yeah, thanks for tuning back in and yes. we'll be back next week see you then bye